0: Go in your Bible. See what place to the book of Matthew. We're gonna go to the book of Matthew, chapter fourteen. You know, we know that Jesus took every advantage and every opportunity to be able to teach and minister to the people. Folks might say that he dealt a lot with the multitudes, but even though Jesus worked and ministered to the multitudes, he always always have time for the individuals. It never lose sight of the individual, of the person, of the one that there was t- in a multitude where he seek out after a kiss. Was in a multitude that he healed the woman with the issue of blood. Was in, the, was in a multitude that he healed the blind man, Bartimaeus. Was in a multitude where he looked out and saw the, the need even ministering to children. In Matthew chapter 14, there are two events that are going to happen there where Jesus is going to take advantage to show who he is to his disciples. These men that for at least over three years are going to be walking with him, that were chosen by him to be the one that will be his witnesses and carry out the message of the gospel throughout not only Jerusalem and Judea and that region, but to the entire world. But still... Even they walk with him, they really didn't have a clear understanding of who he was. They heard his messages, they heard his teaching, they even saw the miracles and saw the signs that he did, but they really not quite yet understood who Jesus was. Here in Matthew chapter 14, we're going to begin reading on verse 14, Jesus is going to do something quite incredible before their eyes, but with a purpose. Chapter 14, verse 14, we read, we reads When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when he was, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not to go away. You give them something to eat. Pause there for a second. One of the common themes in Jesus when he saw the multitude is that he had compassion for them. He had compassion. We see this over and over and over. We see this over and over in his life whenever he saw the multitude. You know, if there is one thing I know I need more in life is to have compassion for people. We're so quickly to condemn their condition. We're so quick to mock them. We're so quick to um, to judge. In other, we ought to realize that if it wasn't because of Jesus, perhaps I'll be in the same condition or even perhaps even worse. He had compassion for for them, so he began ministering to them, and I guess the day was was long in, in the day that he came to the point that his disciples and listen to this, his disciples came and said to him, um, "Master, it's kind of late." They were looking at the time. It's it's kind of late. This is a desert place. The people are going to be hungry. They've been with us all day. Send them away so they go into the village and buy food for themselves. Now, I have been in situations, and I have to guess this, where working afar or working into a, um, whether it is away from a city, away from, from, from civilization, you know, you make preparation. I remember a time when um, I had to go work like, like this, and my I, my wife would prepare a good meal. I mean, one of those meals that you're looking forward for lunchtime. You got your chicken, you got your your um, mashed potatoes, you got some vegetables. In my case, just a little bit. Um, you got your dessert, you got your your your, your drink, and while you're working. You're working hard, but you're looking forward for that lunchtime because you know what is waiting for, for you. And perhaps you've been in that si- si- situation when the time for the meal comes and you open your lunch and you look around and your friends or co-workers, one is having a sandwich, one is just having um, some cookies and a, and, and a drink. And when you, op- you open yours, they all go like, wow, you got a feast, you got a meal. And you kind of feel bad. Really bad. Because then you kind of feel, well, I think I must share. I can eat this by, by, by myself. So you share with them so everyone would have a bite. Well, it's easy to do that when it's three or four people. But that day, it was not just dozens of people. It wasn't even hundreds of people. There were thousands of people. And I have to think that even though the disciples were there also with that multitude, they perhaps had preparation themselves to have their own meal. And they were just thinking, these people need to go. Mind you, out concerned concern that it was getting late. But Jesus turned around to his disciples and said, The people don't need to go, you give them to eat. Now, this is not going to happen. But why will Jesus say to them, you give them to eat? Wouldn't it be wonderful if they realized and knew who was telling them to give them to eat? That in that moment, knowing that it's God himself, the all-powerful Jesus, the all-powerful son of God that is giving them that that mandate, that they would have turned around and started feeding the the, the people in faith, trusting that he will take care of, of the rest. That would have been wonderful. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen. The following verse says that when Jesus said this, in verse 17, they said to him, we have only five loaves here, And two fish. And he said. Bring them here to me. In John chapter 6 verse 9. It tells us. That it was a young man. That brought his lunch. Those five loaves, Those five breads and two fishes. That he was the one. That gave it to the disciples. He gave it to the disciples. He might have overheard the conversation. But. Whatever case, he decided to take his lunch, whatever he had in his hand, and give it to the disciples. But when they saw that, when they saw what they had in in their hand, and they look up at the need, they say, what is this among so many? What is this for so much? And Jesus said, bring it over to me. Yes, there is a possibility that when we look at ourselves and when we see and when we look at what we have in our hand, we might think it's too little. We might think that it's insignificant. We can think, we, we might think this cannot be much or this, I cannot do much. But it's different when it's in the Lord's hand. It's different when it's in Jesus' hand. And these 12 men that there are going to be not only they are not only going to witness a miracle they're going to be part of the miracle because Jesus is going to take the fish and the bread and he's going to bless it and then he's going to give it back into the hand of his disciples and he's going to order all the multitude to sit down and he's gonna command his disciples to go and feed the people. No, you gotta think about this for a second. The multitude didn't heard or wasn't present for the conversation between Jesus and his disciples. They didn't know where the food was coming from. They didn't know who gave the food even. They didn't know what happened, but the disciples did. The disciples did. They heard Jesus prayed and blessed the food. They saw the five loaves and the two f- f- fishes. It was placed into their hands. And it was put back into their hands. So could you imagine when they went out and start feeding the people? Now, first, could you imagine when Jesus said, turn around and go feed the people? Okay. And they take the, <laughs> the fish and the bread and they start breaking and serving. And right there, they're witnessing the multiplication of the food. In their own hands. In their own hands. Wherever it happened, they were witnessing and also being part. Because they were the ones that serving the people. And being part of this great miracle. They were seeing how Jesus provided and multiplied that what was little into much From Everybody that was there. And not only for everybody. Look what it says at the end. And verse 19. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up at heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. No one went hungry. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left towards. Now, mind you, they not only were part of the miracle as they were giving it out, but then they got to go back and pick up. The leftovers, leftovers, How are there going to be any leftovers where there were only five bread and two fishes and there were thousands of people there? The miracle already was that he was able to feed everybody, but on top of that, there were more left. How many baskets? Twelve. Uh, how many disciples were there? How many? Twelve. One basket for every skeptical. One basket for every doubtful. One basket for each one, for each one to realize they were in the presence of God. That He was God. That He have all power. That He will multiply. That He can provide and satisfy everyone's needs. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what these men we're going through. We're sometimes amazed at the fact that the multitude were fed. But you got to think on the disciples that were following. They're getting a taste of who he was. Who was this man? But now it's going to get even better in a few hours. The, the, this, this lesson of Jesus to his disciples, this, this moment for them, for them to know him is going to get even better. Because now they're going to leave. And listen to what happened next. Verse 21. And those who ate were about five thousand men, beside women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the wave, for the wind was against them. Let's pause there for a second. Now, Jesus decided, after everyone was satisfied, was satisfied to order his disciples to get on the boat and go across and go to the other side and he said you go ahead i am gonna stay and dismiss the people now the question that's gonna that the first question that i would have there did he have another boat or is he gonna get on the other side what was he going to do how is he going to get there The Bible tells us that the disciples went into the boat and they left. Jesus then dismissed the people and listened. He then immediately went after his disciples, but he went and and set aside by himself and took time to pray. You know, it's interesting when you go to the Bible and you study and you read about Jesus' prayer life because Jesus did have. A prayer alive. The Bible said that he would wake up early in the morning, even before the sun was out, and he, and, and, and he would be praying. He would stay up at night, late, praying. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus himself needed to pray, needed to spend this time with his father, and spend so much time in prayer, how much more do I need to pray? How much more do you need to pray? How much more do we need to spend time in prayer? You know, one, one of the benefits, the side benefits at this time is that we can spend more time in prayer. That we can invest more time praying. That we could invest more time getting to know the Lord through, through his word and praying for so many things that perhaps, you know, in, in, in a normal day, we even thought about it. Because we're so busy going and coming. Jesus spent time praying. But now the other thing is this. While Jesus is on land, while Jesus is in praying, where are the disciples? Where is the ship? In the middle of the sea, being battered, tossed here, tossed, tossed to and fro because they had a contrary wind in the middle of the night in a storm. Now, here we got to ask this question. If Jesus is God, and we know that he's God, but remember, he's there with the disciples. At this moment, some of them believe, some of them don't know. He's teaching them this lesson. He's going through life with them. If he knew, and he's God, why did he send them to be on the boat? Why did he tell them, go on the other side? He knew what was going to happen. He knew that, that, was, that in the middle they were going to face a storm. You know, in this occasion, Jesus sent them, he ordered them to cross over, knowing quite well what was going to happen. You know, we have this saying that life is life. Well, not for the believer. For the believer, our life is ordained by God and we understand and we take it that way. He knows. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what is ahead. He knows and sometimes he leads us into places that we ask ourselves and don't understand why. Just like the disciples. He is the one that sent them into that storm. Not for them to lose their, their life but on the opposite to get life. And to understand who he was. And they were there in the middle of that ocean. The winds were contrary. You know? Perhaps you, were, you, had, you had your plans. You had your plans and you had your, your goals and your ideas. And all this situation just mm, become of a bad time for you. Your job, your business, your family. And it seems that things are piling up and the wind is contrary no matter what you do. Be prepared, just like the disciples. Because Jesus is about to show him, to show them who he was. Through one of the greatest miracles. The Bible tells us in the verse 25... In the 25th verse, that in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Jesus decided to come to them at in the fourth Watch at the night. That's about, in our time, about three in the morning. When it's really dark. When is the darkness, where, when is it is the dark, the, the darkest? And he saw the boat in disarray. And they saw afar this man or this figure walking towards them. Well, if you're in the middle of the night, in the middle of the ocean, under a storm, and you see like a figure walking on water coming at you, you immediately gonna think, that's impossible. What is that? They immediately think and say, It is a ghost, and they got afraid and fray and and fear. Over their heart. It is possible for us because we're human beings that fear can take over our heart and our mind. But you know what? That is not from God. That type of fear that makes us doubt, that type of fear that makes us anxious, that type of fear that makes us depend on. Medicine, that type of fear that, that make us wonder, that type of fear does not come from God. And when they were there, in that moment, Jesus answered, immediately spoke to them saying, take heart. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Take heart. You know, take art. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be cheerful. Be a good cheer. It is I. And it's amazing. It's wonderful that he used that word. It is I. It's that same I am that spoke to Moses there in the book of Genesis there in the desert. When Moses asked that I am. Who should I say to the to the Israelites? Who sent me? The answer was, I am sent you. It was the same person talking to the disciples. It is I. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus walking on the storm, walking over the water, walking over all the waves that was going through, the wind of nothing against Jesus. It couldn't move him. Let us realize that the same, that same Jesus is still alive today. That same Jesus is still at work today. That same Jesus is still in control and is reigning today. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now comes one of the disciples that in my account, you know, we really give Peter a very bad rap but in this occasion you could see that Peter is going to ask for something that out of all the disciples he's the only one that said this I want us to look at it now is the word please verse 28 Peter answered him after he said it, it is I and be not afraid Jesus Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Wow. Now, someone will say Peter was trying to be a wise guy. I doubt it. Peter was trying to be sarcastic. I doubt it. Peter was trying to to test the Lord. I doubt it. I believe, and as we see this this develop, Peter was actually was actually taking a step of faith, of trust. Lord, if you are who you say you are, I think command that I can walk on water also. And Jesus said, "Come." Wow, you see. If you know the Lord, if you know who Jesus is, is we know his power, oh yes, he's going to put us in position to know who he is, even in the midst of a storm. Because I tell you, no matter who you think was out there, at that moment, Peter had to have a lot of faith to jump out of the boat, onto the water, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, to go words someone that he can't really distinguish no no that was not sarcasm that don't that was not trying to be a wise guy that was proven that Jesus was who he said he was for a little time the Bible tells us that Peter was able to walk on water because yes the one that said come it was the great I am. In Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Here, there in, in your Bible, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Paul, writing about Jesus, he said the following. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things. All things. Matthew chapter 28. Same book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and said unto them, Here is speaking to his disciples, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. You see, Jesus had all power over heaven, all power, all authority and power over earth. Everything responded to him. He's the one and all. He holds everything together and he then can also hold all your life together, all your marriage together, all your family together. He can hold you together. Everything, he has all that power. But you got to trust him. You got to believe in him. You got to keep your eyes on him. Something that Peter, as he was walking on that water, for a few while for a few moments, he was able to walk on water. He did what no human being I had ever done before. Walk on water in the middle of the storm with the wind. But you know what happened? Just like sometimes happened to us. He it took his eyes off Jesus. And he started looking at the waves. He started looking at the wind. And the Bible says... Read it with me there, please. Going back to chapter 14. And look at verse 30. Chapter 14, verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. He was, he was going towards him but then got distracted by, like sometimes we do, we got distracted by contrary winds to our right, contrary winds to our left. this that going on with this situation in the family, this situation at work, things that comes up, things that pile up, he got distracted and he began to sing. Listen that it says, he began to sing. He then went down altogether at once. But as he took his eyes off of Jesus, the process of sinking began. The same happened to us. We must keep our eyes on him. It's not the process. You sometimes wonder when you look as sadly at so many examples that once were along the flock and were praising and worshiping and among us and now are not. You say, What happened? And we use excuses and we point this finger and that finger. None of that is true. The truth is that we kept, we take, we took our eyes off of Jesus. Same thing that happened here with Peter. But praise God, he had the presence of mind. He had the presence of mind when he felt himself drowned, when he felt himself sinking, he stretched out and cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. You know, no matter where you are now in your life, no matter where you are in your spiritual life, perhaps, yes, you feel like you're sinking. Perhaps, yes, you feel like things are not going well. Perhaps, yes, you feel like your life is up to the top. You cried out, Lord, save me. And he will respond. He will respond. Especially if you tonight do not know him as your personal savior. Lord save me. Jesus stretched out his hand and picked Peter up, save him from sinking, and then went into the ship. Listen to what happened in verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. When Jesus took um, and reached out his hand and took hold of, of him, he turned to Peter and said, Oh, you are little faith. Why did you doubt? You see, the problem with sinking was not what was going on. Because the circumstances, the event, the storm had no effect on Jesus. And it will have no effect on those that have kept their eyes on him. If we keep our eyes on him, whatever the wind, whatever the storm, we were able to to walk all through it, just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus did. Peter started thinking why? He was a little faith. But when Jesus took him up, and as soon as they walked onto that ship, The wind sees everything stop. There's one occasion as you recall where Jesus was on the boat and he talked to the wind and the ocean and the waves. Peace be still and they got quiet. This time Jesus didn't have to say a word. It didn't have to say a word, and it prompted me to believe that all this event was actually orchestrated by him himself for demonstrate to his disciples who he was. Because the very next nice declaration they did, and verse thirty-three is immense. They say, "And those in the boat worship him, and how they worship him by acknowledging who he was. Truly, you are the Son of God." That's how they worship him, by acknowledging who he was. Oh, yes, we can sing. Oh, yes, we can be part of a church. Oh, yes, we can be part of a group, etc. But unless you worship him in spirit and in truth, by acknowledging who he is, truly, you are the son of God. The disciples saw Jesus in this situation. They, they saw how in these two situations he was the provider he was the all powerful in knowing Jesus in life in experiencing one being part of the miracle and here being the miracle itself he didn't bring them a religion he was teaching them life he was teaching them the authority and the power that he had and, they're, and they will also were able to have are they going to be ministering if we believe that he is God, if we believe that Jesus is God, then this has repercussion and ramification in our life. If Jesus is God, then yes, I ought to believe that he's my provider. I ought to believe that he can take care of the big things and of the little things in my life. If Jesus is God, if Jesus has this power, if this is real, then I have to believe that today, in the in in the 21st century, today, March 29, 2020, Jesus can take care of my job. He can take care of my finances. He can take care of the food that I need. He can take care of, the, of my situation. He can take care of my addiction. He can take care. He can help me walk all over. My dependency on drugs. He, he can take care to walk all over those contrary winds that hit my life. If I truly believe that he is God. The Bible t- tells us that we believe that. He not only provides for material, but also for the spiritual. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. We read. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. I believe and I hope I write that there is no one that could be so pretentious and prideful that would not acknowledge that they're a sinner. We all know that we're sinners. But God shows his love for us. In that that we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. The punishment that I deserved, he took it. Because he was the only one perfect and righteous. And it was only his blood who were sufficient to be able to save me. In the same book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23... We read, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, what I deserve because of my sin is death. Not the physical debt that is also a consequence of sin, but worse than that. It's a debt that I'm always dying and never died. Eternal separation from God. That's what I earn. That's what I deserve. But the free gift of God. What God have in store for me and for those who believe is eternal life. and what is this eternal life? This all I can obtain it is through Christ Jesus, O oh Lord. through Christ Jesus, O oh Lord. The only way that I can be acceptable and obtain this gift is by trusting in Jesus. Believer. Let us understand that. this: if you are a believer. Knowing that Jesus is God, have his ramifications should in how we think, or we act, and what we do, because he's all powerful, and yes, he's all powerful to provide. And you, and if you have not yet trusted Jesus and your Savior, well, a simple prayer, and more than your words. He will understand and do understand your heart. You can call on him like Peter did in that moment, acknowledge your sin and your need to be saved, and say, Lord, save me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, that you are still God. Your power is not limited. And sometimes, Lord, we are faced in, and we are put in condition and in the position to really get to know you. Yes, the storms, the contrary wind, the needs, the things that we cannot control, the uncertainty. Right there, it is in those moments where we look to you, where you become so real, so powerful, so big. And we thank you for that. Thank you, God, for slowing us down to consider all this truth and get to know you better and really get to see you. We pray, God, that you continue to bless and help those that are around us. We think on those that are on the front line during this crisis, please that you protect them and have mercy on them. But still, during this time, allow us to continue to worship you. Thank you for the hour that you're giving us in your word and together through this medium. And until we meet again, Lord, we pray that your blessings will follow. Be with everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.